Arsenal and Southampton play out a game of who's shitter at defending, with Arsenal coming out victorious with a 2-0 win. We talk fantasising about other women while in the act of making love and question the importance of rotation ahead of the game against the Scum. All this and more tonight on this and Ask Brothers Rantcast. Welcome to this and Ars Brothers Rantcast. A, a, a rantcast with not so much to rant about for, a, for once, Toby. A victory. Victory is ours. <laughs> victory is ours. No, it was pretty good, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, it was. It was. It was pretty good. It, it wasn't outstanding. I, I mean, how did you feel about it? You know, in the in the general context of things, in the in the general context of the whole game. Good game. Good performance. Should have scored more. Still gave away a few opportunities. Overall positive. Yeah, I mean, really one of those games where it's three points that we have to that we had to have. It's, you know, at this point in the season, you and I have spoken about this now for a couple of weeks running. Really, it's more important that we beat all of these all of these teams and we go on a run where we don't lose to anyone kind of below us for the rest of the season. That's right. And That's if we right. do that, then the Tottenham game and the Man U game actually become less important than the other games around us in the scheme of achieving our goal. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, they're obviously still important, but um, winning all those games and that run in, they're basically the, is it the two only games for us that are that are difficult compared to the others where they have four, five, six difficult games. So, you know, it puts us in a good position. Man, you still have four of the, four of the top five mm. to play. I think uh, Chelsea still have three of the top five to play mm. and, and we've really only got the other... The other two. So realistically, we could actually drop both of those games, win everything else, and finish above those two teams. Is that a thing? Have you have you looked at that? No, no. I've yeah, I've had a look at it. Like I, I mean, look. Have you got a crystal ball? I don't know how many points they're going to drop, but you know, if you just kind of pie in the sky at the likelihood of them dropping more than six points across those teams. You know, basically, if we go to Tottenham and Man U, I would, I would, I would put this marker down, Toby. If we can take two points out of those two games, I think that we're actually on for top four. Mm. Mm. Arsenal, Southampton, Toby. Anything you didn't think that was going to happen? Did you like it? Did you not like it? Give me your thoughts. There was quite a lot, actually. Um, I was really surprised to see Lichsteiner. Uh, I was surprised to see Kola Sinach back in a in a back four, um, seeing he'd been omitted in the previous game. Um, I was expecting Ozil to be benched, uh, and I was expecting your banging man to be benched. I wasn't expecting Genduzi to be benched. Um, so there's a few a few tweaks in there, but look, overall, it looked like really good balance to me, and I was really excited to get to see. Uh, to, I won't call them natural wingers, but wide forwards playing again rather than trying to shoehorn two strikers in, particularly with the with the fear of um, of injury. So, look, I thought it was good. There was clear attacking intent and some confidence because we we're pretty good at home. Let's face it; it's it's away from home that we're a bit a bit suspect. So, mate, I wasn't surprised to see Lichsteiner, um because I don't think Maitland Niles is fit. He wasn't on the bench. 
Yeah, but I've I've <laughs> I've still. So, I mean, I know he's kind of forgotten now, and it's obviously no. The made his stand. The corporal, the corporal is done. If the corporal was going to play games for Arsenal again, the corporal would have played games by yeah, now. Yeah. And do you know what? We didn't do coverage of the of the Barté game, but Lichtsteiner was actually my man of match and my man of the match in the Barté game. And in fact, today I thought he was he was quite quite decent again. I thought he held his own. I didn't think he was that bad at all. I thought he more than held his own. I thought we lost our way after he went off. So so, so do I. But I think you're going to get that when a when a centre back goes over into right back. For sure. I think there's For I sure. think there's a bit of misconceived understanding about, you know, people saying, well, well surely Mustafi can just become a right back. I think there's a, a defined mm. set of skills that mm. he doesn't have. He's a Mustafi for me is actually an in between player. He's a centre back who has to play in a back three. Mm. So I, I was actually quite confident with him going over to right back because I mean he was and he actually does have a bit of skill set about him. You know, in order to play yeah, that but position. I still think there's a skill set missing there, which is the connection uh, within the transition to be able to overlap and go past. He doesn't have that, but you know, with his, his passing ability and all of that. The thing I will say about this lineup, Toby, something that I really, really liked it's the first time in a really long time I've looked at an Arsenal bench and felt confident. Aubameyang, Özil, Suarez, Genduzi, Monreal. I was looking at that and thinking... Mm, that's solid. If that's something solid. goes wrong here, we can change the game. If we need to ice the game, we've got people who can ice the game. You know, we can we can bring on Gendouzis and we can bring on Monreals. And mm. if we're either going in and having to chase the game or we want to really put the foot to the throat, mm. you know, we've got Urzels and Ubangamans. And you and me have been banging the Ubangaman from the bench drum for a long, long time. We actually got to see it today and got to see it come to fruition. Yes, it didn't actually convert, but what we thought would happen if you started bringing on these players against tiring teams really nearly happened, came close. Mm. And it would have been interesting as well if if your banging man had actually replaced the guy he was supposed to replace. It was only because of a Wobie going down that he ended up playing on the left. So that would have been interesting as well because he would have actually been in his natural habitat um, you know, with some quick wide players, you know, who are quite tricky. Um, and he would have, he potentially could have had opportunities in areas that he was more comfortable in. But look, in any case, he came on, he, he did affect the game, you know, two, three opportunities. Yeah, he didn't get one, but it wasn't a bad performance on the left. And yeah, look, bringing him on from 60 minutes, it, look, it protects, it protects our, our players in terms of, we need one of them at least, um, and it also scares the living shit out of a tiring defence. So, you know, you you work hard beforehand, you break them down, you fatigue the defenders, and then fuck me, you bring on like one of the quickest players in the world. So, I don't think it's a bad tactic moving forward. Ramsey made captain. Seriously, what the fuck is this shit? Özil captain last week. Ramsey captain this week. This I'm really, really struggling with. What does a captain even mean for this club anymore, I wonder? I don't have too much of a problem with it. It's clear they have a leadership group, and I guess it would have been down to, to seniority. The thing I question is, what's the future planning there? What is the fucking point of Aaron Ramsey running out in a captain's armband? I don't understand. I think it's man management. It's to fire him up. It, you know, He'll be in and out of the team. 
Um, it's quite clear it will be either him or Ozil or none in, in some circumstances. And pure and simple, it's just a leadership tactic from, from Emery. That's the way I perceive it. I would have preferred to go and slam the, the captain's armband on Socrates, you know, yeah. who, is, who is a natural-born leader anyway. And in the Barté game, I would have rather have put the armband on Monreal if I'm talking about seniority and, and leadership. Really, it, it, look, it's a bugbear of mine. It's been a bugbear of mine all season. Initially, I didn't mind this leadership group thing because I thought, like you said, um, that it might have been a man management ploy from Emery to create something bigger than the sum of its parts or to create something bigger than just a singular captain. Um, but I, I'm really shitted off with it now. I, 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 I don't like seeing guys who are leaving the club running out with the captain's armband and I don't like seeing guys who are openly getting called out in press conferences for not training hard enough, coming back into the team and getting a, a, a captain's armband slammed on them. I can't imagine that that's great for the rest of the playing group. Or does the captaincy really mean nothing? I don't actually have too much of a problem with it. There, There isn't that much you can do on the pitch except to be accountable to your teammates. All right. I, I feel like this is a, a seniority thing who's been at the club longer, um, an ability thing to, to some extent. But more than anything, I, I like I've said previously, I think this is a man management. This is a leadership tactic. So this is giving every opportunities to these guys to step up. This is trying to keep Ramsey motivated till the end of the year. Don't forget top four is the goal. You keep Ramsey motivated or you marginalise him and you've you've got donuts for the rest of the season. Same deal with Ozil. It's, it's a really tricky situation because if you just go absolute flat, draw the line, fuck off, get the fuck out of here, you know, we're going to make your life miserable, we're going to bully you, we're going to squeeze you out, you're going to make you feel inferior. What's that going to do for, for us as a club? You know, we've got our highest wage... Um, you know, someone that can affect a game when he comes on, you know, we're just going to put all that aside and just get nothing for the next, you know, for the run-in for the next couple of months. So I think this is a really delicate living organism almost that Emery has to manage consistently and constantly. And I feel like this, this show of faith and also it's, I actually see it as a challenge to that player to be able to to say, look, you know, we're going to give you the captain's armbag. You fucking show yourself today, and we respect you all in one. So, it's it's quite a number of things intertwined into into one, and it's very symbolic in terms of its leadership. First half, Toby, Arsenal, Southampton, uh, a must need three points, and in my opinion, basically the first five ten minutes was a battle of whose defence was shitter. <laughs> yes, and we did give that a good crack, didn't we? Oh, uh, I mean, early on, our mate Mustafi just caught incredibly high, stepping up, casual as you like. You could be sure that Redmond was offside, threw on goal, draws a really good save from Leno. And I, you know, as I do, kind of s- sigh, you know, in relief. And we go up the other end and, by hook or by crook, uh, end up bungling one in. One nil to the Arsenal. Happy days, Toby. I didn't even really celebrate. Like I was like, oh, 
oh, there's a goal that happened. Yeah, no, I, I was I was certainly happy. Um, I was certainly shocked, or or as the case may be, not shocked at the at the poor defending. The the last Southampton game away, we somehow managed to make Charlie Austin look quick, beating the offside trap. Do you remember? And that was Mustafi and Koscielny fucking up. So what do you want to unpack first, Toby? Do you want to unpack how bad the defending was, both before the goal and directly after the goal? Or do you want to unpack the goal itself? I th- I think we should. I think we should. I think we should acknowledge the poor defending and the way... Even though we 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 scored quite early in this game, we also we also gave some opportunities and and just the the poor playing of that offside and getting so caught up the pitch. So I watched that replay very closely. It was so typical. very closely. You know, and basically Kalasinak is where okay. he should be, Go. as in advanced from the centre back. Socrates is maybe a little bit advanced, and him and Mustafi seem yeah. to have momentarily switched sides. Um, and basically, the ball comes in, and as the ball comes in, there is only one danger man, and that's Redmond. And he's running the channel in between the half space between Kalasnak and Mustafi, and Mustafi, as the ball is played, is in the act of stepping up. But he's not close enough to Redmond to actually put him Correct. offside yeah. regardless. So for me, it's just, it is just Mustafi's poor mm. reading, his inability to make correct defensive decisions that aren't front foot reactionary decisions. He's not a back foot mm. defender. He doesn't know when to turn and and go with a striker. And really, I mean, that should have been 1-0. I'm going to say I think that should have been 1-0. I'm going to put that down as a relatively high profile. I'm going to put that down as a miss. I'm going to put that down as high XG. If we were through on goal like that with one of our wide men, I'd want that ball going in. Yeah, was was Redmond pushed wide at all? I don't. I don't feel it was. No, so he was playing. Cut. He was playing as a. He was essentially playing as a forward. No, no, no. I know that. I know that. But he cut back inside onto his left. So no, no, no. Redmond been... didn't make the most of it. I'm not. I'm. I, that's not what I'm saying. Redmond didn't make the most of it. But I'm saying, like, on another day against a better team, I would expect a lot of players in the Premiership to hurt us for that. I would expect people to go and put that in the back of the net. I would expect us to put that in the back of the net if that was Mkhitaryan bursting through, if that was Aubameyang well, bursting can through. Well, can I say something then with that? That's why I don't think we should get too fucking excited about playing with a back four against better teams. Uh, definitely with with definitely with those with those centre backs, absolutely. And I mean, that's not even the, that's not even the only one. I, I mean, uh, just quickly, Lacazette, the goal comes from really good combination play. Uh, it comes out to Mkhitaryan, whose first-time volley kind of flies into Lacazette. And I thought Lacazette pretty neatly turned it in. I, I thought it might have come off his ass, but he at least projected his ass towards the ball to turn it in. Mm. And, and there was some lovely interplay. Down oh, the, the tempo, Toby, well. was smashing. You know, Arsenal's tempo was up. And this was a return to early on when we were talking about what, you know, I hate using this term, but what quotation marks <laughs> Emery Ball was. <laughs> this is what we thought Emery Ball was. It was moving the ball quickly. It was a high press. It was interchange between wide players where your number 10 
in this 4231 is essentially coming across to create the overload or one of your number eights is pushing up to create a three on two overload to release either the wing back, sorry, either the, in this case, either the left back or the wide forward. So I was, I was pretty excited about it going forward. Going back, it was another diabolical shit show. And shortly after that, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a, a really great chance. I've forgotten which lad it was from, from Southampton, but he smashes a finish across the face, essentially with no one on him because Lichsteiner does that thing he's done quite a bit lately. He, yeah, where he, he gets caught, caught inside. inside yeah. yeah. And I wrote yeah. this down. I was like, Lichsteiner caught inside. He does that. That's something he does. He's a doer. Well, something that I was um, reading or listening before, because he probably doesn't trust his pace anymore, he has to be front foot all the time. So he feels like he's got to go and track the man. So he does get drawn to the ball more than um, staying structured in his in his correct position. Um, that was the only mistake I saw from him. But another good save from Leno. So two good saves from Leno. Right there. He's got a few detractors at the moment, Leno. Have you noticed that? I'm not sure where it's where it's come from because he's not made high-profile errors. No, I think it's us projecting a little bit. I, I think a lot of us loved Czech or at least loved who Czech was. Whilst he's he's been a good shot stopper and he's actually been quite good um, with his feet as well, not that we necessarily play out from the back that much anymore, but I guess there was there was there was a couple of times where he wasn't so commanding. I don't know whether it's it's his demeanour or we're just projecting our desire to have a, a worldie. But I think you're spot on. He hasn't done a lot wrong, um, and he's probably look. I would hazard a guess been one of the most solid keepers that we've had I, come I, to I would the club say he's for the very long time. Best keeper in the Premiership now, maybe fifth, fifth best keeper in the Premiership. I think Edison, yeah, Edison, look, I don't know. I, yeah. look, ahead of him, the obviously one of the obviously ones, the obvious ones are Edison, Allison, um, what's his name? The Spud, Frenchie. Oh, Lloris. But he, he hasn't Lloris. been as hasn't good been as, as good, but I still think he's a better ago. keeper than Leno. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. De Gea, who actually hasn't been as outstanding as what he has been in the past as well. I mean, then mm. after that, I mean, really, mm. you're looking at Leno being at the top of the next kind of best of the rest, I guess. I don't know. I think I think there's a few good and experienced keepers out there that pop up and surprise you sometimes. But yeah, yeah. No, well, I, I I'd think, have, I think at the moment, enough. I'd have Leno over Pickford. Yeah. If you want to talk about the next yeah. tier of teams, I'd have Leno over Pickford, no doubt. Yeah. Um, I think Leno's yeah. got better distribution. Anyway, long story short, as always, we digress. Um couple more chances Southampton header across the face uh you know that really should have come to something as well and again we kind of get a run a a goal not against the run of play because we were dominating when we had the ball but perhaps against the run of play in the sense that we also could have conceded within these periods of times where we looked really dominant Mm, mm. well we do look dominant but our our ability to make average teams look good is um is is quite an achievement sometimes. I mean we gave two clear cut chances to them in two minutes just after scoring. So, you know, that that wasn't great. But you're right, you know, we did we went up the other end and, and we scored and, you know, what that I guess that oh, crunch moment in the game, let's say, 
like you know it it almost puts it to bed you know 2-0 that early on but i mean uh, also the flip side of that is it very easily could have been 2-2 very easily could have been you know, 1-0 without one going in off Lacazette's arsenal. Mm. And do you know the funny thing? I, I was thinking this today. The funny thing is that early on in the season when Arsenal's attack was really good, a lot of those games were saying, yeah, but equally we could have lost those. Equally we could have lost those games. So, so throughout that, you yeah. know, whatever run we were on, yes, Nothing's we were scoring changed. goals. Yeah. and But yes, we were still giving up chances very, very similar to this and bailing ourselves out. Mm. And that was, again, mm. early on the season, in that 4-2-3-1 shape that we have, that we play yep. with. And it does make you really wonder, is this 4-2-3-1 just really fundamentally flawed? Or is it that we just simply don't have the right type of defender to be able to pull it off? Because early in the season, it wasn't working, and we had holding, and we had Bellerin. So is that saying it's the other defenders? It's the the need for a genuine left back or the need for a different type of of centre back? Because <sighs> I, I worry. Look, I feel like if we took this back four to a Tottenham and, and we tried to do this to a Tottenham, I mean that back four that we played today, I reckon we get absolutely ripped to fucking shreds. No, but horses for courses, Max. And, and, and this is where... Uh... Emery tactically, you know, at least from my perspective, we can get behind him because there is, you know, formational changeability for want of a better term. So, look, you're right. So going back to your original point, okay, the early in the season, they hadn't really had time to train together that well. So, yeah, it was flawed, but we created shitloads of chances, particularly in the in the Chelsea game. We finally managed to get that team back together now. We're playing pretty much the same system. And lo and behold, we start creating heaps of chances again because people are in more natural positions where they feel comfortable. The The thing that hasn't changed is the quality of our defence. So in answer to your question, I think Emery is doing the best with the tools that he's been given and and I think those those set of defenders um just aren't good enough to be able to to operate at that higher echelon like we will give up chances regardless well I think that's why Emery's MO now is that he's gone to that back five away from home because we're really seeing a I don't have a problem no nor do I I I'm just saying we're really seeing a definition in systems now, I think early on yeah. we were seeing a lot of different systems. I feel like now we've really seen, especially now I think the Mkhitaryan's come back into the team. I think when Mkhitaryan comes back into the team, Emery instantly feels more comfortable to play this 4-2-3-1 again. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, and we were very critical of him, and I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt, but we, we, we were so critical of, of him because he was error-prone, but that's his game because he's trying to drive the play forward and take risks. Yeah, but without, Whereas without, now, risk, you know, no, without risk, there's no reward. Exactly, and we've seen exactly. that in so, the boring run of games we had exactly. where people are like, oh, and, and why we, are we playing three defensive midfielders? Well, you're going to whinge yeah. and bitch when we're giving up balls yeah. in the transition, and then you're going to whinge and yeah. bitch when we put three defensive midfielders in the team. Exactly. Six of one and half exactly. a dozen so, of the other. So, but we did realise when he was gone, we did. You know, that, that absence definitely made the heart grow fonder. And, and the fact that we were so, we became so poor and disjointed and predictable going forward. And, you know, and even though we had two amazing strikers, 
they were very much isolated because we weren't creating space in the final third. So all of a sudden you've got, you know, two two wide forwards who, who are happy to run at players, you know, quick layoffs, really put the defence under pressure and then also make overloads on, on the wings. And look, lo and behold, we're, you know, we're, we're starting to operate again. And, and I thought it was really nice to see that roaming number 10 player again in our system because with those wide players, it worked. It, it was yeah, it was nice to see. Well, let's let's talk about Ramsey later on because I I think that's a I think it's an interesting performance to to pull apart. A um, couple more chances before the end of the half. Toby Lacazette misses a, another really glaring opportunity. Uh, blazes over the over the bar. Really good ball from Lichsteiner, which came out to Kalasnak, who laid off to Lacazette. Really should have been three nil. Really should have been iced. And that was a beautiful piece of play as well. It was a real shame not to yeah. Well, I'm, put that and goal I mean, this is this away. is the point I'm getting towards. You know, if Lacazette mm. wants to become this player, this world class, this this world class player, he wants to take this next step. Like he needs to be buried. Yeah, those. if he wants to take this step yep. and become a thirty goal striker, I was talking to someone at the bar about this today, where they were saying, "Well, what's the difference between a thirty goal striker and a twenty goal striker?" And I said, "Honestly, I think the difference between a thirty goal striker and a twenty goal striker." is a 30-goal striker puts bad teams away when they've got the opportunity. That's why Aguero scored so many hat-tricks. That's why Henri was so efficient. Because, you know, when you get the opportunity where you get... I mean, Lacazette had had four clear-cut opportunities. They are quite clear-cut opportunities. He misses mm. a header. There's another one which was a ball over the top from Xhaka, which he pulled down and cut inside, kind of got caught under his feet. And, and, and the one that he scored was the half chance. Yeah, and and this is what I'm saying with Lacazette. Finish. If we go yeah. through all his goals from the year, we were talking about this uh, maybe last week or the week before, but if we go through mm. all of his goals, a lot of them are crackers. They're all stunners. They're all stunners. Yeah. But what you want from him is that when that ball comes to him, there was a header against uh, Barté, that he missed, you know, there was he's blazed yeah. over here. I just, I just look at that yeah. and I think you really need to be smashing those in, Lacquer. Um, mm. Thought I had at the end of the at the end of the half, Toby. Just a quick thought I had at the end of the half. Did it hurt? Yeah, it did. They usually do, mate. They usually they they come on like migraines okay. and then hopefully they, you were and they down. spit out with swearing. Um, what was happening with us on the wings? as far as the combination play between Awobi, Kalasanak, uh, Xhaka, the combination play between Xhaka, Lichsteiner, Mikatarian, Is this just a return because of somehow the personnel that we've got back, that we were able to play with this tempo? Or do you think it's, a, it's more of an energy thing, like how Arsenal were able to get on the front foot and, and basically maintain that tempo for an entire 45? Can, can I add another variable that we haven't discussed? No, go for it. Xhaka and Torreira together. That's where the wings and the quickness of play is different from Genduzi, who's very busy, but very five-meter passes. Torreira, you know, really... You know, he didn't have a game where he stood out, but he was very it's because combative. Because he was playing the deepest run balls, laid them off. If you look at the heat map you know, at half time, Torreira is almost the second deepest player on the pitch. Yeah, I think it's a Socrates yeah. or Mustafi on the heat map at half time is actually almost ahead of him, and Jack is in the in the in between space. Yes. 
Yeah, and and Mustafi has a huge amount to do with the build-up play, and this is where we've got to be careful about how much we dislike him. His ability on the ball See, I knew, is actually I'm, I'm, very important. I knew you were going to have a bit of love for Mustafi in this game because of his because of his passing. But again, mm. something we can unpack later on. Uh, Toby, Lichsteiner going off injured. Mustafi moves off, out to right back. Really, I think that might have been the thing that hamstrung us for that first you know, 25, however long it was. Really, that might have been what hamstrung us as far as going forward. Uh, once Lichsteiner went off, we seemed mm. to lose that impetus, at least down that side. Uh, Kalasinac had mm. a stormer and, and really came into the game, but we did mm. kind of lose it there for a while. And I had this this kind of thought, Toby, as, as the game was unfolding, and it was a thought of, Awobi really is so much better when he's the guy who's playing the ball before the ball itself than he is the guy playing the yep. ball. And I wonder how you you best use him in that instance. In your opinion, let's say he doesn't improve from here. Let's say this is a Wobie as far as, you know, he's never going to be this kind of really high-volume guy because he got in a lot of great positions again today, worked his hole off, and his final delivery, again, has a tendency to hit the front man. But mm. his layoffs that he made, a couple to Kalasnak, the weight on them was just immaculate. The ball pulls up in front of Kalasnak. Kalasnak smashing things across the face. So does this mean that maybe a Wobie is very similar to Oxlade-Chamberlain and in some kind of a 4-3-3, Awobi's actual position is in one of those three, like a like a Gigi Van Aldem from Liverpool? I, I think he could do that. I think he's got the physique for it. I think he's got the technicality in, in tight spaces. Um, but on, on the other hand, I still believe that he'll make it. I just think, you know, I, I, I thought he was incredibly up for this game. And he he did so much good um, that I felt that he was he he was potentially the most dangerous period um, player on the pitch at times, um, except so, for the yes, piece that actually absolutely. creates the goal. He he did a wonderful deflected cross, which was his his aim, <laughs> no doubt, for the Mkhitaryan goal. Um, look, yes, absolutely, I agree with you. This this debate will not go away because he's not that worldy, worldy guy that we need. I just you know who look, can actually my, finish my off those plays, Toby. I just wonder whether or not we have put a guy into a position because, in our mind's eye, that's the type of player that goes into that position. But that's actually maybe not what we need from him. And if we were to bring in wide players and we're shipping out Ramseys and we're shipping out Urzels, I wonder whether or not the guy who might actually come into a, a, an, an option of being an eight, a midfielder, sure. I wonder yeah. if the guy we should be looking at is a Wobian while he's young enough, actually changing him up to 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 be something else rather It'd than be to be something fucking we unit seem to in, have in the centre of midfield as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, Oxley Chamberlain, when he went to Liverpool, yes, he, he got an injury, but for a period of time there, he actually looked he was like killing it. the player. He I think he would have started almost every game at the World Cup if he was fit. And he would have made yeah. a difference. And don't for don't forget the the AC Milan game when we had the injury crisis and he played like a holding midfield yeah. role. Like that kid, that kid was exceptional. I, just, I he was. Mismanaged. I just wonder if, like Oxley Chamberlain, because you know it, 
that's so close to being the archetypal wide player because they can beat people and they can interchange. What ends up happening is that that is the thing that hamstrings them. The athleticism is the thing that hamstrings them because then we look, we overlook them as possible options in inside channels and maybe in midfield threes. Interesting, a thought I had. Yeah. Toby, substitutions, uh, Ramsey comes off. Look, a lot of back and forth about Ramsey and we will crack into that in the three two ones. I'm absolutely sure of that. But he came off for Erzl. Um, And then shortly after that, it looked like Lacazette was going to get pulled off, but Awobi went down with what I assumed was really bad cramp. Not a knock. Yeah, because he'd worked his fucking whole yeah, life. I couldn't, I couldn't quite tell if it was... Um, I, I assumed it was cramp, and then I thought, oh, maybe it is an injury, but that kid worked his fucking socks off. And you, you bang know, a he, man, he and Ozil come on and and turn up the heat, you know, out of the frying pan yeah. and into the fire for Southampton. Ozil pulling into all sorts of holes, all sorts of channels. Uh, they couldn't track him. They couldn't go with him. I thought they'd actually done a good job on Ramsey. I, I didn't think Ramsey had been very dynamic for the day, despite kind of doing his Ramsey thing and, and running around a lot. Ozil came in and was, you know, this untrackable figure. And really, like we said at the top of the show, on another day, I think Ozil could have had a couple of assists and I think Aubameyang could have had a couple of goals and maybe even a couple of assists as well. This could have blown out and been a 5 nil game. It would have been good for us. I, I, I don't think the end result wasn't positive. I think it's I think it's going to create a good atmosphere going into the next two games in quick succession. Um, but it certainly could have been. It was a performance that that left us wanting a little bit more. It was a little bit of foreplay without you know any end resulting action. You know, it was a two nil could have easily been five. And going back to your Urzel thing, I'll just take that opportunity that, you know, this is the first time this season where he's come on and, and really looked good. You know, his ability to control and retain possession in almost impossible situations, um, he looked he looked class. And even I have to say that. So, you know, I will um, credit where credit's due. And this is my and this is my thing with Ozil, and I've been banging this drum a little bit lately. We need to stop looking at players as some kind of overarching, you know, figureheads we need to start looking at them from game to game and if Ozil has a good game I'll say he had a good game the Barté game I thought he had an okay game I thought he was a a very solid maybe seven out of ten yeah he was and today I actually thought when he came on granted it was for a short period of time I thought he was a seven out of ten again I think that easily with a a couple I thought he was a seven and a half yeah easily with a couple of these things easily with a couple of these goals coming in. Actually, I'm just looking at my ratings. I gave him a seven and a half. I said he was quite good. He was better than Ramsey. That was for sure. Uh, A couple of really, really Ozil touches. Little little, um, flick around the corner to your banger man with the outsider's boot. And that's the thing, you know, only Ozil can pull that off. And before that, Awobi, Kolasinac and Ozil were creating some fucking boner-worthy... Yeah. Overlaps I mean, we were talking side. about this. You know, those players are going to want to play with players like Ozil. But I, I, I also get why you would go and pick a Ramsey from the start because you know he's going to run around. Sure. He, he's and, he's and going to do he, that hard and work. And Ramsey would have been who I would have picked as well from the but start. But this is my point, for, and, for this and game. you know, I'm, I'm repeating a point I made on. I was on Guns and Yellow Ribbons. When was it? 
was it this morning? No, yesterday. I was on Guns and Yellow Ribbons. And we were talking about, you know, this idea or this concept that Ozil is is too good. Is he too good for the team around him? And I have actually started to soften my opinion on this a little bit lately. And I kind of, in a roundabout way, came to the conclusion of he may actually be a little bit higher than everyone he's playing with technically. And I think if you put him in a team with Henri and Robert Perez and maybe Vieira behind him, you know, yes, you would have seen more out of him than the players he's played with at Arsenal. So it's he a conflicting have question. That team, different era. No, no, no. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm look. Horses for courses. With, 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 yeah. with throwing Sorry. stones up Sorry. in the air, Toby. We don't need to completely unpack it. But you know, on the other hand, on the other side of it, should a three hundred and fifty thousand pound a week player be able to play in more than one type of system? Then just in a completely free role where he's allowed to jazz and riff off people. I think that's absolutely uh, true as well. Absolutely. And he's been challenged. And this whole year is about him being challenged. And we will see his character and how it plays out by the end. I truly believe that. But this last game, or this last two games, have shown just a smidgen of character and desire. So, like you said, let's judge it game by game. And let's see how he can affect a game when it's the right time, the right situation for him to affect a game. And that's what I love about Emery. You know, I, I'm still I'm still charmed by his balls to not stick to the status quo. You know, he you know, yes, he's a bit of a tinker man, but he will set up a team for every single opponent. And I really like that. Like I'm really into that. So, you know, we'll we'll, we'll see how it goes. But you know, Back four at home, playing with a 10, you know, your two inverted wingers or your two wide forwards, um, you know, back three away from home, you know, you, you sit Ozil on the bench for any bloody cold night in the north, you know, it just, just do it. Let's, let's just go with it. We've got him for the end of the season, until the end of the season rather, um, and let's see what we can get out of it. And then let's do, let's do contracts um, in the summer. Okay, so 2-0 to the Arsenal, Toby. Three points in the bag. You know, and, and as important three points as any other three points as well. Three two ones, one two threes, Toby. I've got a funny feeling this is not going to be one of the weeks where you and I just pick the same players. No, I and very challenging for the negatives. Yeah, I, I do you know what? The negatives I ended up kind of putting... You know, sometimes uh, when it's been quite a good performance, you have to find like a narrative for your negatives. Yeah. I've found a narrative for my... Yeah, we we kind of have to go against our yeah, own... Yeah, look, I've found a narrative <laughs> for my negatives that, I'm, uh, that I've am i I've finished with and I am happy with. I'm, I'm happy with what I've done. It was very hard. Yeah. It, it's very hard to watch a game of football where you win 2-0 without a huge amount of glaring errors... And yeah. try and pull out negatives, and but I mean, look, this is the nature of what we do, and 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 we'll crack on, Toby. Let's get mm. straight into it. Who was your three points? Who did you have? Why man of the match for you? Give it to me. The big, beautiful fridge. I thought he was fucking phenomenal this game, defensively, going forward. Um, he was he was selfless. He he could have had. 
two, three assists, um, probably our greatest attacking outlet, and then did a real job in a position that we'd all wrote him off for not being able to do, um, with a couple of big blocks and a couple of big defensive moves with some big desire as well. So plus three for Kolasinac. Very close for me, for Kolasinac to be man of the match, but pipped by Mkhitaryan for me. Got his goal, absolutely dangerous throughout. He looked after the ball really, really well for me in this game. Um, And there's something about the the way that we've been playing since he came back. I thought he was really good against Bate as well. Um, He reminds me somewhat of an aging Rosicki when Rosicki was kind of... When Rosicki used to come into the team, I used to love how everything that he thought was about front foot. How do I get on the front foot? How do I progress this ball? Whether that's being progressed by me running with it or that's being progressed by me playing some some fast interchanging passes or whether that's me, you know, curling a ball down the line to a, a Lacazette. I'm really into him at the moment. I know... Absence makes the heart grow fonder. But I especially love Mkhitaryan when he not only does this, but he has an effect in the game. For me, might not have been deliberate, but an assist and a goal. And I thought he defended. And I thought he covered Lichsteiner really quite well. I actually think he's making Lichsteiner look better. This is the best Lichsteiner has looked in two games. And I don't think it's a surprise that's come when he's been playing with Mkhitaryan. No, good point. Very good point, because it's combinations. I think Mkhitaryan just naturally plays well with someone outside him. He's a give-and-go player. He likes tight spaces. I thought he was cracking. Toby, two points. Who did you have and why? Uh, I had it to Wobes for two points. I, I thought he was... He drove the play forward right from the start. He looked up for it. He looked more confident in himself today. I don't know whether that was the the setup, whether it was being at home, whether it's just you know some things went well from the start, um, but he was a huge threat. Lots of lovely overlapping player with Kolasinac and, um, and, and Ramsey. Um, and, yeah, and look, covered Kolasinac when Kolasinac went beyond him, and he was just everywhere, you know. He was, anyway, I was, I was very happy for him um, to see a performance like that. So, plus two for Definitely me. Definitely made Kolasinac look better for covering him when he went forward and, and being really active. So good shout. Yeah. I'm with you. Toby, my plus two, Kalasanak. I thought it was close to his best, one of his best games for Arsenal. I think it's almost definitely his best defensive game. Uh, two big blocks in the game, one in the first half, one in the second yeah. half. Uh, really interesting. A couple of heroic Yeah, blocks, really interesting. Yeah. If you look at the heat map at the end of the game, he's quite deep. So usually you would expect his heat map to be up in line with the number eight, that's kind of where he, he hovers. Yeah. His heat map was yeah. actually, he was deeper than Lichsteiner. Mm. So, I mean, for his mm. average, obviously I'm talking about average position, he may have advanced further than Lichsteiner yeah. more often. But it seemed to me that maybe Kalasnak has, you know, whether it's training or whatever it might be, that maybe he may have clued on a little bit to, in this game, realizing when to go forward and when not to go forward. I thought he chose his times really well. And when he gets a roll on, that cunt is a fucking freight train. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, he he's a big attacking outlet. And when he's not there, 
as much as we criticise him defensively, we really miss the go if forward. He can so improve he, he's his, become quite important. If he can improve his defensive work, you've got a, an actual genuine world-class left back there. So, you know, excited for, I was more excited for him to have a good defensive game than I was for him to have another good offensive game, which I thought he had. Um, yeah, correct. Plus one, Toby. Who did you have for your, your one point, mate, and, and why? Well, this is really hard, so I'm going to throw out three names that I was that I was really close to um, to giving the point for. Um, but in the end, I actually had someone that I hadn't considered, and and sort of was a bit of a last minute shout. So my one point goes to Jay Leno for a string of important saves at the start and towards the end, um, and being generally solid. Um, distributing quite well. I know we don't play out from the back very much anymore, but he, he all of his decisions were right. Um, you know, if he needed to go long, he went long. If he went short, he went short. Um, and I thought this was, um, you know, and obviously those couple of saves early on, that's what made this game safe for us. Um, so big shout out to, um, to Jay Leno for that. For me, Mikatarian came very close, but he faded so much in the second half. Um, I didn't think he had that 90-minute performance. Um, and honourable mention to Lacazette as well, um, who worked his hole off, really pressed from the front, but was a bit profligate. So I was, uh, like you, I was really torn with my one point between you know three guys as to, as to who I was going to going to go with and for each one of those one points I I had a reason for them not to get that look I ended up giving it to Granite Xhaka oh yeah good now but but I have some some things to kind of put into that as well yeah well I will (laughs) so yes he had a good game. He had a great game. Statistically, had he had a great game. He released both wing backs. He played in the space actually behind Ramsey and in front of Torreira, and Torreira dropped off, which just completely saves Granite Jacker's blushes, right? And I've said this for a couple of weeks. I like either Torreira Genduzi or Torreira Jacker. I don't want to see Jacker Genduzi. That's something I don't want to see. So I've given him a point because, as we said earlier on, Toby, credit where credit, credit where credit is due. He had a great game. What I will say is, if you are going to give a player of his skill set that much time on the ball in between the lines, he's going to pick you apart. And mm. if we've known anything mm. from this year, it's when you press Granite Xhaka and when you hustle him that you find out that he doesn't have the technicality and he doesn't have both feet. So I will give him Mm. a point because of what he did, because of what he achieved in the game, because of how good he was at linking, releasing, and overloading on both sides. But I just want to say, I don't think that anyone else in the Premier League will give him that much time on the ball. It was was a weird thing. I don't... If it turns out that that was him being really intelligent and popping up between the lines, I'll, I'll rescind what I've said. But I haven't seen him do that much and I haven't seen him have that much time on the ball. I was talking to Manny about it from Guns and Yellow Ribbons and Manny said, it's like the line out of the movie Cool Runnings. This doesn't mean I like you. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, it must hurt for you two blokes. Must hurt. Any thoughts on that, Toby? Any thoughts on the the Granite Jacker performance? No, because I'll get to that in a oh, minute. You can't have given him negative points. You can't have given him. I was scraping the barrel, dude. Ah, oh, well, I, like I was, I'm a Granite Jacker hater, and I didn't give him negative points. Uh, my only little shout out, to, so you know. As we always do, a couple little shout-outs. I liked Awobi's performance. I didn't think he did enough in the final third. Um, and I really liked Leno's performance, but I thought Xhaka probably had more of an effect on the game than what Leno did. And maybe that's an indicator of how good Xhaka actually was because Leno was fairly involved. Negative points, Toby. Hard to come by this week. All three were ridiculously hard. And I kind of... I, I did a combination of narrative um, and individual errors. That was the only way I could actually even come up with negatives because I felt like overall it had been a good performance bar a couple of errors. You know, Licksteiner had a brilliant game but had a had an error coming inside, being drawn in and, and creating an opportunity uh, for Southampton. Really... <sighs> There wasn't a lot of negatives that I found. So I'll be really interested to see uh, how you approach this. Um, but yeah, let's let's crack on. Let's so do it. So Toby, I applied a, a narrative and I applied a narrative on, you know, roles, roles based, if you get what I mean. So yep, we sure, often talk yeah. about primary roles. So for me, based on primary roles, I actually gave a negative one to Lacazette. Yeah, I can I considered that for the for the misses. So despite getting his um, goal, he was wasteful again. And if he wants to be first choice striker, he needs to be banging these goals in. He needs to be getting braces, you know, not singles and not just taking a half chance. So for that, I love him. His endeavour was fantastic. Again, scraping the barrel, as we said. But because of that, I thought that I would give Lacazette a negative one point as a as a motivation because I know he's a listener. He listens to the Ars Brothers, Toby. He's got his headphones in. He does. He's gonna go. He does. He's gonna go. Suckerle bleu, Max. Suckerle bleu. Yeah. Suckerle. Yeah. My God, you sound like such a dumb. Skip. I don't have fucking. <laughs> I don't speak French. No, neither do I. But I know it's not suckerle. Well, you fucking say it then, cunt. It's like sacre bleu. That's what I said. Sacre bleu. <laughs> suck, suck, the bleu. Shut cunt. up, cunt. What did you fucking have for negative one, you dickhead? <laughs> uh, negative one, uh, I had for Mustafi, even though I thought he had a very good game uh, with his distribution for that unforgivable um, error, um, trying to play the offside trap and almost making us go a goal down. Mm. Well, Toby, I have Mustafi for negative two. And actually wrote, passed the ball really well, switched off for that early chance. And again, as your primary role as a centre-back, you know, if you get beaten, if you get out-muscled in the air, like, for me, that's almost acceptable, you know, because you're not big. But that was such a fundamental defensive error in that stepping up. We've seen it so much that, you know, I, I, I threw the negative two towards him and just said, take it all, mate, take it all. Yeah, yeah, fair play, because we didn't have a lot to go with. Who did you have for your negative two, Toby? Uh, I had it for Granite Xhaka. Wow. And it hurts. Wow. It hurts. Even Manny. No. Even Manny, Toby, 
the Granite Jacker hater of them all. Blackzilla himself. Bro. 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 Yeah. Even he came out and said, I think that Jacker had a good game. He might have been drunk. He had a He might have been drunk at the time. A, it's possible. Well that's that's fine and, and, and I hope he had a good time doing it. <laughs> um Gran- Granite had a very, very good game and I was waxing li- lyrical to myself, believe it or not, about what a great combination him and Torreira are and that that's basically what our season was based on originally and we've gone away from that over time for various reasons and injuries and, and um, formations and, and partnerships, let's say. But look, for me, this, this is based purely and solely and, and I will say he had a very good, good game and affected the game overall. But that that absolute fucking brain fart. The pass, um, the pass across almost, the face under Almost under setting under up no Ward Prowse to, to fucking smash it home in a, in, a ga- in a period of the game that really would have allowed Southampton back into it and with some time to, to affect it. I'm going on errors and there, there's a bit of a narrative going on here with both him and Mustafi because both had good games, but both had really massive unforced errors. I mean, Granite Shaka was more unforced than Mustafi. So anyway, that's my negative cunt. and the reasoning behind it. You're a cunt, mate. Yes. Negative three, Toby. I gave my negative three to Aaron Ramsey. Oh my god! So so did I. But this is big. This is big narrative from both of us. We we have to we have I to admit this. I actually didn't think that he had a bad game at all, right? And if you look at his statistics, he made a lot of passes and he interchanged with the guys outside of him. Yeah, I gave him yeah. a negative three because Özil trounced him when he came on, and for me, a guy who's going to Juventus, who's just signed a massive contract on big money. I'm expecting a guy like that or what Aaron Ramsey thinks he is or, or obviously what Juventus think he is. I'm expecting that guy out of the number 10 to be a game changer. He wasn't a game changer for me. I thought you just as easily could have put a hardworking Awobi in there, a hardworking Emil Smith-Rowe in there, a hardworking Joe Willock in there, and they could have essentially done the same role. So without being bad, he wasn't amazing. And because he wasn't amazing and what he thought he was worth to the club, I'm going to give him a negative three, not based on him being bad, but based on him being bad by the standards that he has set for himself or the narrative that's surrounding him of, oh my God, he's a club legend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, look, <laughs> I won't go that deep with my dislike of That him. wasn't dislike. You know, that I, was actually, I, I was actually giving him some praise yeah, there as in yeah. I, I thought and, he did a, a, a good job and I don't agree with you with the Joe Willock or the or the Emil death row thing just yet you know I I, th- I think they're absolutely we should be backing them and going forward with them I'm not and saying I, I don't actually pick them I'm saying that I don't see why those guys if, if you're talking about the distance between being a 70,000 pound a week player and a 300, £250,000 oh, a week yeah. player. I'm saying I don't think the distance is that great based on that singular performance. Yeah, okay. All right, fair enough. Look, I too went with negative three for Rambo. My reasoning was less to do with the, with the background stuff and his ego and, and what's happened. 
I just saw it as a bit of a missed opportunity because he was selected over Ozil to work harder and influence the game more. And look, he actually probably should have scored a goal and at least got one assist, really, because uh, Awobe, I think it was Awobi went himself and shot straight at the keeper when he was open and then there was a, a really good um, ball across the face later on in the game where no one was um, following it in. But what I have to say about Ramsey's performance is I barely noticed him for for the game outside of those couple of moments. So when we are contrasting the two performances over of him, who we would have chosen, um, you know, if, if we had the chance, and then Ozil and what he did, um, I just don't reckon Ramsey took his opportunity or or made us feel like we were really going to miss him. So bit of a narrative going on with there, um, going on there rather. But um, yeah, I, I don't think he affected the game hugely. I was banging Arsenal, right? And I was, while, while Ramsey was in the team, I was thinking about someone else. I was thinking about someone else yep. while I was banging Arsenal. And what I wanted Ramsey to do was make me only think about him in that moment. And he couldn't do and that. And he just didn't. I was, he just he didn't. had me fantasizing about other number 10s. You know, I was I was with yeah. Ram I was Bug-eyed with Ramsey, but I was I had my eyes closed, and Ramsey was like, "Oh, hey, baby, why are your eyes closed?" I was like, "Nah, nah, nah, baby, Aaron, I'm just concentrating." But I wasn't. I was thinking about Mesut. Oh, you're just a you're just a horrible <laughs> human being. But yes, yes, unfortunately, get where I'm going with that shit, though, Toby. Well, look, look. I think I think you were you were into both. You 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 went with your head and went with Aaron and he just lent you down. Did. He wasn't he, and, he didn't and, engage me. And your heart went bog bug eyed. Did and I was, you know, you know and, and I was close you know I was close a couple of times, Toby, and I just started thinking about Urzel. You just couldn't you just couldn't you just get couldn't there. Just couldn't get there. You just couldn't, couldn't get, get there. there. Speaking of couldn't get there, Toby, Suarez. Yeah, what the fuck? That's a bit of a narrative. Yeah, look with Mikatarian coming back into this team and hitting form, uh, are we really going to see Suarez? Uh, like, because right now I, I I would say Mikatarian's put his it would be one of the first names on the team sheet, and we know Emery likes him. We know Emery likes his work rate. I'm just thinking we're not going to see this guy. Okay, couple of things with that. Mkhitaryan can't play 90 minutes, as far as I'm concerned. He, he he did get a little knock, which could have been an injury, actually, before halftime, and, and he didn't influence the game as much after that. I thought that was more to do with the Mustafi thing and the interchange. Yeah, stopped. okay. Okay. Well, I, I felt like he cashed out, particularly after, you know, 60, 65 minutes. Um, so that provides an opportunity for, for Suarez to to get game time. But, you know, this was a home game against a team that we dominated and were pretty comfortable in winning the match and he didn't actually get on the pitch. Um, Nor did we really think he would be the player to affect things. So, you know, for for me, I, I am struggling a little bit I think he will get some game time, uh, and I don't certainly don't think we should write him off yet. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm I, I would be lying if I said I wasn't a little bit concerned that 
you know, we're not going to use him much for the rest Perhaps of the year. Perhaps we should keep our powder dry on that one just for another couple of weeks because I think he would have seen game time if um, Lichsteiner hadn't have gone yeah. down with an injury. Correct. And then Awobi as well. But yeah. definitely as a starter, I can't see him all, I can't see him busting into the team and, and being the saviour. Not there's, there's not that much left. There's, uh, as far as games go, there's not a huge amount left, Toby. Um, just finally, Toby, last point of the game. Uh, I was sort of talking with the guys, uh, again with the guys from Guns and Yellow Ribbons yesterday, um, and they were very much of the opinion that you know, we needed to go into the Bournemouth game and, and rest people into the Bournemouth game. And I actually had the opposite approach that. I said, no, fuck that. Mm. Uh, you know, three points is three points. We're driving towards top four. We kind of spoke about this at the top of the show. Um, for you, are, are you in camp A, as in you go after every game and you treat every game on its merits? Or are you in camp B that says somehow beating the spuds is so important. Basically, the best way to look at it, Toby, is would you rather finish fifth and have done the double over Tottenham or finish fourth and have lost to Tottenham away from home? Well, the the latter, every day of the week, and I think that makes total sense. Um, and listening, listening to that pod, I, I feel like your perspective actually changed the other's view a little bit, which which was quite good. The, the only thing I'll add to that is we haven't played a huge amount of football lately. Um, so I think with a couple of, of tweaks, um, you know, maybe one or two players, we could pretty much replicate that and just get the job done and expect the players to be able to, um, to get it done. In saying that, respecting respecting the points, because all points are the same. It doesn't matter if they're against Spurs or against Bournemouth. It's a home game against Bournemouth. So I would say they didn't cause us too many troubles away from uh, home. They did, didn't they? Um, didn't Josh King score a fucking cracker against us? He scored an absolute fucking cracker, yep. actually. Um, no, they did score us. They did cause us a couple of problems, but I, I think it was a, a, a good overall performance from us and a good win. I think we should do them at home. Um, I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't go too overtly defensive um, against them, and then I'd and then I'd probably I'd respect the point against the Spuds. Believe it or not, so I, I'm I'm agreeing with you in that I really think we need to go for this three. Um, you know, we can we can look towards the Spurs game, but I definitely wouldn't be saying we should be resting our best players. I'd rather see us go with a really really strong eleven against Bournemouth, play high tempo, get the goals up early, and then make changes after and then that. Rest, rest. Yeah. You know, if, like I, I, you said, look, if you need to pull Guitar in at sixty minutes and put on Suarez, great. You need to pull Lacazette for Aubameyang or Aubameyang for Lacazette. Fantastic. Ozil for Ramsey, yep. Ramsey for Ozil, whatever it might be. I think that those groups of players have to play those games. Yeah. I'd, I'd be going all out attack for the Bournemouth game. And then I'd be playing very likely three at the back away for the Spuds or... If I wasn't playing that, I'd be playing Ramsey in a diamond and really creating like a fucking hard-working midfield to cover the back four. So maybe a diamond of, you know, Genduzi, Xhaka and Torreira 
with Ramsey working his ass off from the 10, um, you know, in, in kind of a 4-4-2 or 4-2-2-2. Um, and then, yeah, we, we should be playing back four against Bournemouth, give Ozil a crack and try and score lots of goals and give everyone a break um, once we've done the job. The, the one thing I'd like to... The one player I'm hoping to be back, uh, I think Lick Steiner could... Um, could come a cropper a little bit against Bournemouth. Um, so I wouldn't, you know, maybe he can get through that game, but I'm hoping for Maitland-Niles for um, for the Spurs game. Okay, guys, as always, thank you so much. You've been listening to the Ars Brothers Rankcast. You can follow us on Facebook at Ars Brothers Rankcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Ars Bros Max. Follow Toby on Twitter at Ars Bros Toby. Until next week, guys. Good night. Good night.